Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Ingmar Stockholm. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one was worse. I don't know. Of course, they won't get that They now. don't get that. We've done this intro three times. Three times. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, and see, what I was going to ask you, uh, have you ever been to Ikea before? Once. Um, it's... It's cool, but I, I would be too scared to get lost in there. The name before was Ingmar Ikea. Um, that's why he's asking. Um, I didn't enjoy myself. I I thought that people think I you know Ikea people make it a big deal, right? Right. Okay. Um, I hated that I couldn't go anywhere I wanted. I hated that I really just oh, had to follow like yeah, this path. I will say I wasn't expecting that when Ashley and I went the first time. I was like, oh, we we have to go. It's this bizarre. Way. Yeah. Uh, I will say though, the food there uh, is shockingly good. I did not have the food. I've heard the food is good. The 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 Swedish meatballs was great uh, with the with the lingonberry sauce. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I would never have thought to combine jelly with meatballs uh-huh. and gravy. Because you have to ha- you have to have the gravy on the meatballs, and then you have to. What I did is get get a little bit of the jelly on my fork. And yeah, then, you know yeah. who would? Uh, Haley Haley Blair. She. Uh, oh, your wife? Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was her name. Yeah, she. Uh, she puts um, sausage. She dips. Uh, she dips it in jam for in breakfast foods. See sausage. See yeah. now that. I, I don't think I'm brave enough to do that. That's good. But I've done it. When, when Ashley and I went and we had the Swedish meatballs and they gave us that side of jelly, I was like, like you know what? We're here. Might as well. And I was like, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, no, it's good. That's dude. where that chair is from. The chair is from my The sweet with the savor. I hope my jacket doesn't break it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We've had it for almost a year. Yeah, okay. Well, it's held up this far. Uh, and also, since we're on the subject of Ikea, Sean, if you're listening... I know you're not. Uh, you you were right. There's more locations of Ikea in Texas. Because uh, remember on your bachelor party, I said yes. Austin was the only place that had it. Oh, and I knew that was wrong because I, I went in Dallas. So. Yeah. And she said she went to the one in Houston? Yeah. Yeah. So, Sean, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, she doesn't watch it. Yeah, I know she doesn't. Yeah, there's... Anyway. So, if you haven't told, have been able to figure out, but we're talking about Ikea... Uh, we are on the last pick of the season from Jeremy. Uh, if you didn't tune in last week, this is a Swedish film called The Phantom Carriage. Uh, now, since this was your pick, as I've mm-hmm. done this whole season, how did you hear about this movie? I don't remember. And it's it's been so long. It might be just as easy as I remember when I bought it. I bought it at Waterloo. Um, oh, nice. Shout out to Waterloo Records. Um, I was there. I was looking at the Criterion section. Their dope-ass Criterion section. I saw it, and I was like, this is cool, <laughs> and uh, read a little bit about it, probably. I don't think I had heard of it beforehand. Okay. Um, this well, was just a complete blind, you know, Well, I mean, purchase. As, as I've learned with a lot of my Criterions, that those are the best. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I saw it, I, I probably read the synopsis and was like, oh, that sounds cool. And it was like on sale or something. And I was like, that'll work. Yeah. You know, I mean, the 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 concept of the movie is really interesting. I was even telling Ashley about it 
And she was like, that is really cool. And I was like, well, hey, like, we have time before Jeremy comes over to record. Like, you want to rewatch it with me? And she was like, maybe. And then when I mentioned it was a Swedish film and it's a silent film, she's like, oh, never mind. I was like, oh, okay. And also... How happy were you that the... Uh, they didn't overlap. That they didn't overlap. Yeah. It I got was, close in a couple of spots. I was but, really happy. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah, It got close in a couple spots, but uh, they they did well in uh, spacing them out. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, first impressions. Mm. What, what did you think? Uh, this movie is in... Not even in terms of silent films. I would just say in films in general, it's perfect. I don't know. I give it a five out of five. It, it's It's awesome. It's yeah. so good. I um I'm not gonna give it a rating, not because I didn't dislike it, just because I think I need another rewatch before I can give it okay. a rating. But I did I did really enjoy myself. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the the you know the the special effects. It definitely seems oh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, as evidenced by our Metropolis episode, shout out to our Metropolis episode, um, foreign silent film, they were just ahead of the game. You yeah, know? I mean, listen. So the fact that with the help of English translation, I was able to understand the entire thing, right? Yeah. Nothing was lost on me. Nothing was misinterpreted. Nothing was nothing was half done. Nothing was left for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um and it was long. Right, it's it's almost two hours. Right? I wasn't, yeah, I was not expecting that. Most um, not, it, it's not uncommon for yeah. for silent films to be, you know, over two hours. In fact, you know what I mean, or three or four. Yeah. But um, the fact that it was such a a seamless, you know, point A to point B, fluid storyline mm-hmm. that you can follow, and it's not hard. Right. Yeah. Um, for a modern audience, is really remarkable. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so Jeremy, would you like to give a little people a bit? I mean, because the synopsis is pretty easy. I mean, yeah. It's um, it's this this man, David Holm, is um, is not a great person. Nope. He um, he's a drunk. He's not nice. He's terrible to his family. He's terrible to most people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he had heard from a drunk buddy of his, a drinking buddy, uh, that if you die, if you're the last person to die on New Year's Eve, uh, then you are forced to do the bidding of death and um, drive the carriage for a year. Right. Mm-hmm. The carriage was being the phantom carriage is the one that picks up the um, the bad souls from uh, yeah, after death. Um, yeah. So, of course, uh, by sheer coincidence, uh, that drinking buddy of his dies on New Year's Eve. Um, a year later, David Holm dies on New Year's Eve. And they meet again. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Holm is pretty much just shown what a horrible person he is. It's very much like, I think maybe our, shout out to our best episode, um, <laughs> The Man Who Invented uh, Christmas. Uh, 
it's very it's very similar to a Christmas Carol, right? Yeah. Uh, in that in that regard. Yeah, but rather than Christmas, and rather uh, ghosts of past, present, and future, it's one ghost showing him all his past mistakes. Right. And um, really just telling him. He's not showing him shit. I mean, he's showing him the, the nurse, but other than that, yeah. which, by the way, uh, this movie opens not with David Holm, but with the uh, with the sick nurse that is uh, about to die that wants redemption for David Holm, yeah. uh, who she has met several times throughout the year. Which we'll get to. We'll, yeah. we'll get to. Uh, which I love. That's how the movie starts. We're not, again, this is complex storytelling. Yeah. Um, story methods and, and organization of the plot and all that stuff, yeah. uh, which I really liked. Um, and then David Holm pretty much repents and becomes a better person, we hope. Now, uh, before we really get into it, yeah. so how did you feel about this 180? Because I think as we've discussed, I know at some point, you're not a big fan of no. 180s. No. So how, how did you feel about this 180? I'm not convinced it's going to be a 180. I'm convinced he's in the moment going to because he's done it before. Right. Mm-hmm. We've, we've shown that um, it was when his brother was arrested that he thought he was going to be a good person. And then one inconvenience, it was a big one, but it just, you know, he just threw all that out the window immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like he's looking for an excuse not to be a good person. Um, but okay. So, um, man, um, let's start with I guess we could start with David I honestly I just I want to get to like the technical aspects uh, yeah but I, I don't want to do that right off the bat I guess um yeah I mean we can we could start with David I mean because as we're shown through fa- flashbacks which I love that majority of the film is yeah it's telling us it's through flashbacks. predominantly flashbacks and sometimes, it's flashbacks, flashbacks within, within the flashback flashback, which is really cool because it's it's done in a way where you can still understand what's going on. Now, I will say that in the Criterion release, you are able to choose a score. I just went default. Oh, um, I was wondering what that was. Yeah, I just yeah, I just hit play. You're able to choose different ones, um, oh. which will more than likely change your experience of the movie. Number one, like what you're saying is you could watch it chronological. No, oh, you can oh. watch it with different music. Oh. Yeah, which again will more than likely change your perception and um, and uh, experience of the movie, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I just hit. Uh, there's a movie that they've also released that I love uh, called The Passion of Joan of Arc, um, which is a silent film, which is done mostly in close-ups. It's unbelievable. It's so good. But you can watch that one with no music, really, completely silent. Yeah, oh. uh, which is I haven't been brave enough to try that, but um, yeah. But anyway, so um, yeah, so as we're shown through flashbacks, David was a good person at one point. At one point, uh, a loving father, great husband, um, and pretty much a different person mm-hmm. from what we see. Yeah, but it's when he honestly meets. Uh, I'm assuming it would be the same pronunciation as our Hugo episode, George. George. Um, when he kind of starts this downward spiral into addiction and alcoholism, uh, 
which I just felt like it was all kind of funny that the guy who's telling him, you know, you fucked up, is the one who kind of started him on this path yeah, anyway. And, well, and what I like and what it's it's also so much like uh, a Christmas Carol, yeah. which is he is basically um, uh, Marley, right? Yeah. In the fact that he's the one who got him into this in the first place. Yeah. And where he is, you know, given his punishment, um, he's having to pass it along uh, to the person he drugged down with him. Right. Yeah. Uh, which I really, really liked. And I liked how this movie's not just, oh, he's a bad person. Oh, he died on New Year's Eve. Here comes death's carriage. Mm-hmm. Now they have to switch. Right. Right. Um, it's they know each other. Right. Which is fascinating. I, I love that. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I wasn't I wasn't expecting our main character to I, w- I wasn't expecting this to be a, a, a redemptive tale. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure David was going to die. They were going to switch. And the whole movie was just going to be following him. Yeah. Collecting these souls. Yes. Um, but which, no. Which would have been cool. I which would have been that. cool. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's understanding David, understanding why he is the way he is. And is there any redemption for him? Or should he be, you know, yeah. honestly forgiven anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, especially uh, with the the whole him being uh, uh, having consumption um, and trying to just willingly pass it along mm-hmm. by coughing in people's faces, which, of course, a not really a post pandemic era, but I mean, yeah. I'm like, come on, <laughs> like you have no idea in almost a hundred years that's gonna be I know a problem. Yeah, um, but I I really I really like seeing that we're following this asshole pretty much the whole movie. Yeah, but through the eyes of other people, you know. Yeah. Which I think is a good segue into the nurse. Yeah. Uh, nurse, I'm assuming, I read it as just edit. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, E-D-I-T. I edit. Yeah, yeah. Um, She is probably, besides David's wife, she's probably the most wholesome person in the movie. Yeah, because she is, uh, she's a complete optimist. She just thinks everybody is is capable of great things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, giving people so many chance, well, David, I mean, David's the one that needs all the chances everybody else is like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Gustafson, you know, she redeems him in an instant and he joins the salvation army. That's right. Because of her. Right. You know? Um, and yeah, it's, it's almost, it's almost sort of like a test for her. Because time and time again, she runs into David Mm -hmm. and she tries to convince him otherwise to change his ways. Yeah. And he just, just doesn't want to. Yeah. Or do you think, do you think it's a situation of he doesn't want to, or he is too scared to? Oh, good question. Um, 
I mean, doesn't want to is an easy one, right? Uh-huh. It's maybe too easy, right? No. You might be onto something where he's just it's it's or too hard, too scared, too hard, yeah, to change, right? Um, so, I mean, it's so fascinating. What we're even talking about is just crazy because uh, we're <laughs> we're talking about a movie that's over a hundred years old, which which is wild. Yeah, we are now to the point where movies a hundred years ago were complicated narrative narratively structured films, right? Uh-huh. We're already talking about films that are over a hundred years old that are full fledged films, right? They're yeah. not experimental anymore. They're not trying to figure out what this technology is anymore. We're full on storytelling now, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. But this movie is so interesting in the way that the plot is structured because we, our main character isn't introduced until, you know, uh, like 15 minutes. In? Yeah. I mean, we're a while, right? Yeah. Um, and we're introduced to, and we're introduced to all these concepts and all these, um, and all these plot points so far ahead of time before we circle back to them and we understand, oh, that's why, Mm -hmm. oh, that's why, right? Right. It's so much setup and the payoffs are so, so well done. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. In this movie. It's amazing. I, you know, I, we shouldn't think this way. I shouldn't think this way. But I'm very impressed by uh, the, this 1921 filmmaking. Well, I mean, it, it, it is it is very impressive. I mean, like I said at the top of the show, you know, even Metropolis um, is on a whole nother level. Yeah. You know, I mean, shit, when we touched very briefly on a trip to the moon for mm-hmm. our Hugo episode, I mean, even then that, I You're mean, right. what Maliers did was. You're right. It's tremendous. And I mean, that was in 1902. Right. Yeah, and so this was twenty years later. Yeah, and you know the 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 storytelling for me was just so. I mean, again, because there's all these just layers to it. Yeah, of it's sophisticated. Yeah. It's it's fully thought out. There, yeah. there is nothing missing. Right, there's nothing in this movie, narrative wise, that that is lacking. Yeah. In terms of modern storytelling, yeah, not. I mean, really, not. You have, you have a, a protagonist and an antagonist. I would say the antagonist is David, protagonist That's being true. Nurse. Edith. Everybody else, yeah, yeah, everybody <laughs> well, not, else. Not George. Yeah, but, uh, uh, we have conflict. We have resolution. Question mark resolution because we don't really know if David is going to change after this. Yeah. Um, because now you're making me think like, okay, maybe he's in, he may have told his wife, like, no, I, I will be. Of course, I think the assumption is that he, yes, he's going to. Because, yeah. I mean, if not, then the movie would just keep going, right? That's, right, 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 you know right. what I mean? Um, but, but you think in the terms of the world building in that moment, he's sorry. Yeah. And then he'll. Yeah, absolutely. He, it, nothing will actually change. In that moment. He is changed. Whether or not that's going to stick, I don't know. And yeah. I'd like to think no because I'm a pessimist and I like downer <laughs> stuff like well, that. Well, and, and again, uh, just like with our um, shit, it was one we just recently did. I can't remember. Uh, I was like, I bet Jeremy's going to love this guy. Just how how much like of an ass, not really just because you love him how much of an asshole he is, but how much that he isn't willing to change. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was like, Jeremy's going to love this guy. Yeah. He just takes to his guns. You know, that's what's up. But <laughs> <laughs> just coughing in people's faces. Well, yeah. 
that's horrible. And of course, his his jacket is what. Oh, uh, dude, is what gets uh, the nurse sick, right? Um, what is consumption, by the way? No idea. Okay, I was hoping no maybe clue. you would have looked it up. No, nope. I didn't look it up. Um, I know it's. I know at the time it it's was... an old timey disease. I don't know. Something we don't like, get anymore. Like tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, like TB. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Got to wheel you to the TB ward. Um, yeah. Well, and well, clearly he hasn't fucking killed him yet. Everyone I know. Else, yeah, everyone else is fucking dying. It, but... Yeah, that's really interesting. You're you're precisely right. I have no idea. What's I mean, going I'm saying. I mean, Nurse Edit is literally on her deathbed, and, yeah. and the motherfucker that gave it to him, two words. Walking around still. Still drinking. Still hanging out. I know. With obviously new friends. He can't make old... He doesn't have old friends. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, also, um, it was pretty impressive to watch the director of the movie play the guy that we hate, you know? Yeah. Uh, Victor... Yeah, what did we determine his name was? Victor... Um, uh, Jordstrom. Jordstrom. Yeah, Victor Jordstrom. Uh, yeah, uh, really impressive. I was, I was like, I was like, oh, that's the director. So oh. I'm glad we're going this way. Okay. I have, um, I want to go on one tangent. Okay. Before we get to the the technical stuff, and then we'll go back and forth to the story. Um, okay. How excited were you when this is near? I don't know. We got, we're about two thirds of the way. Okay. How excited were you? When you saw what what would be the inspiration for the scene in The Shining, how excited were you when he picked up that axe and he started her, hail, um, hurling it at the door? Oh, dude. I was like... And you're like, holy shit. There it is. And that is precisely the inspiration. It's where it came from. Really? However, that scene in The Phantom Carriage is inspired by a scene in a D.W. Griffith uh, movie oh. a few years before. But um, Kubrick saw that and was... Was like, oh, dude, we got to do that. Yeah. But of course... It was paying homage to Phantom Carriage. Now... But see, he had a little hatchet. I know. And, and, and Jack Torrance had a full-on axe. Well, I know. But that's where, I mean, that's where it yeah. came from, right? So, well, and of course, you know, as we... I'm pretty sure we'd mentioned it in our Shining episode that uh, they had to use a real door because they didn't think that Nicholson could get through the fake door. But since he was a volunteer firefighter, he knew how to get through the door. So they're like, I just yeah, put the real one back then. Um, I bet there were, that was no fake door. That looked like a real door. Yeah. So the scene we're talking about um, is David is trying to get uh, to his uh, wife and kid uh, that have barricaded themselves in a room. Because uh, yeah, he stepped into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a, a text card coming up, but she locks him in the kitchen and she's going to take the kitchen and go. Yeah. And he takes a hatchet and breaks the door down. And it's very, I mean, it it's, it is the inspiration for that scene of The Shining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Reaching through the hole that mm-hmm. he's created to unlock the door or yeah. at least to get the rest of the door handle off. Yeah. So he could open the door. But here's what's so crazy about is about that story is that not only is it the inspiration for one of the most famous scenes in all of modern cinema, mm-hmm. but it it itself wasn't original, right? Because it yeah. was based on a D.W. Griffith yeah. uh, a movie yeah, that, years before. Yeah, that is... That is wild to me. 
Right. But of course, I mean, like, as they always say, the very cliche thing of uh, art imitates art. I mean, nothing's yeah. original, right? Exactly. Uh, except for... No, that's... Everything wrong. else in this movie, Everything. which is insane. I know. And crazy. So here is how amazing Jornstrom is, okay? Mm-hmm. This man was able to pull off tremendous double exposure, right? Yeah perfectly synced double exposure in camera meaning mm-hmm. it's not done post it's not done whatever it's done their principal photography he's he's cranking the camera he's putting the film back in he's cranking it again right yeah um it's not how it's right. uh, i don't think but i mean that would be i mean here here was my most jaw-dropping moments is when he picks up the body. Oh, the guy who kills himself? Yeah, he picks up the soul out of the body, and it's just perfectly synced, right? Yeah, um, yeah we see the, the the driver lean down. You see his hands go, and then, yeah, the soul just comes right up. Yeah, and it's... So cool. I know. And that, so here's why that's so impressive, okay? Mm-hmm. If you did that now, it'd be less impressive. I don't care how good you are, Okay. How good the you, the CGI, like, toning and, and... Right. I don't care how good you are, right? Yeah. Here's why it's more impressive this way, is because cameras now crank themselves, right? Yeah. Not then, right? So what they have to do is they have to crank the film the first go-around. The second go-around, they have to crank it the exact same speed for it to... I mean, we're talking exact same speed for it to match up right mm-hmm. right because if not it the one's gonna be faster one's gonna be slower than the other and it's not gonna sync up right, right. it's just incredible yeah. right um this this hand cranked in camera double exposure it's perfect right and just the idea of it is amazing like oh we have to make them transparent so we have to double them up right we can't you yeah. know i mean that's the only way to do it it's incredible Right. Yeah, it really was. Uh, one of the ones I really liked is when we think David's dead, which I guess you would say he had an out-of-body experience. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, when he like kind of gets up out of his own body and then sits next to it the whole scene. Yes. <sighs> I know. So It's cool. there for so long. And <laughs> how do they do that? No. You know, is, is it a still image or is he having to lay there, right, uh, for that long? Yeah, lay there for... Forever long, yeah. That, yeah. So, dude, it, it was, it was rad. It's perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I also loved how they used um the tenting for mm-hmm. obviously for night for day, right? That yeah. stuff. That that's that's like essential silent film stuff. Yeah. I really like how they're using the tenting also for flashbacks, mm-hmm. right? Um, for signaling flashbacks. Yeah. Not so much just the setup of, of course, uh, George is going to tell you the story. We're going to, we're going to fade and we're going to, you know, and then fade boom, back he, in. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then here's the, right. Here's, here's the, flashback. the flashback. But I like how they're using the tenting for that as well. Um, which is really cool. Yeah. Tenting, of course, I mean, uh, the, the film is in color, not, not full color, not in just, full color. The entire thing is red or the entire thing is blue yeah, or tan it, or whatever. Yeah. Sapia or yeah. Yeah. So, Cool. I know. Yeah, dude. I, you know, doing doing the show for a while, four years in March. Cool. Um, we've been doing the show almost as long as I've been married. Nice. 
That's wild. Uh, sorry, let's move on. Um, doing it for this long, you know, we've done a lot of black and white movies, but man, I've never. This one's just on, it's on another another level, man. Yeah, like it really is. Um, like, like silent films, I tend to have a problem with not problem in the sense of I don't like them. It's hard for me to stay engaged mm-hmm. yeah, without, I, I without hearing someone talk. Even if it's in a foreign language, it's hard for me to stay engaged. Uh-huh. But man, I was... I think I looked away like down to my phone maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in it. Yeah. Because the, the, all the practical... I mean, obviously everything was practical. Uh, but all the practicality of the visual effects. Yeah. I mean, the story. Um, even the score for the default was yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's that was also sort of a way to to switch from, you know, present to flashback, right? They mm-hmm. would they would just change the score, right? Right. Um and the score would get pretty intense in certain places. Oh dude. Oh yeah, like when he tears out those patches. Yep. It's like and when she's about to poison the kids and herself, of course. Yeah. Um, first off, I thought for sure. He wasn't going to make it in time? They weren't going to make it in time. And I'm like, yeah, this Swedish filmmakers, who get the, they don't give a shit. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Is Lars von Trier Swedish? He's Danish. He's Danish. Mm. I. Or he's from Denmark. I, that might be Danish. I don't sorry. Know. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. That's Danish. Okay. Uh, sorry to all of our Swedish and Danish fans out there that I just confused. <laughs> confused the two. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Von Trayer's dead. I think we have less than like 1% fans in Sweden. That's that's still some. That's some. And who knows? Maybe it'll skyrocket after this episode. There we go. We did it, guys. Do you uh, imagine? It's like like the ratio. It's like you know, United States and then the rest of it's all Sweden. Were you surprised by anything? Just in general, because I was, and so I just wanted to. I was surprised. um, I was surprised by the level of the of David's just attitude. Okay, his his zero fucks attitude. Uh You know, I was genuinely shocked by that, just because. Again, that's not how I expected the movie to go. Mm-hmm. Again, I expected him to swap. Right, and then just start yeah. picking up souls. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those situations where, like, he can't get worse, right? Oh, no. Yeah, he can get worse, you know? And, you know, the fact that he gets in two fights over nothing, you know? Yeah. When, like, when he's telling the flashback of George. You know, he gets in a fight over cards. Yeah, it was a card game, yeah. You know, and then he gets in a fight over, you know, when he subsequently is killed. Uh, he gets in the fight because he doesn't want to go see the nurse. Right. You know. And it just, that, that's what shocked me. Not the most, but it is one of the things that shocked me. I was like, he just, just keeps going. Yeah. It's like if, again, the kind of the point you've been making, uh, if Charles Dickens wrote Scrooge just, I mean, he wrote Scrooge to be sort of hateful but yeah. it's like if you wrote scrooge to be just the worst like the worse than he actually is i mean that's how i was just like this like i actually i was really like i was like there's no hope for this guy there's none yeah whatsoever 
So then I guess my second shocking moment is that he tells his wife he wants to change, that he is going to change, that things are going to be different now. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting him to say this at all. I was expecting no lessons to be learned here because Mm -hmm. he's dead. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so so those were the two things that kind of shocked me. Okay. I... Mine are going to be school. I uh, <laughs> I was shocked just in general, just by uh, the suicide number one. Oh that my guy god! Comes yeah. Up, um, where the guy kills himself, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I know, dude. Yeah. And of course, it's making the assumption that you know the that now he is now a damned soul, right? Yeah. And that's why the the driver goes and picks him up. Um, yeah, yeah, death couldn't be fucked with those guys. That was one of the ones that I thought was like just perfect. Uh, double exposure of mm-hmm. them picking him up. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. Um, I know you're still talking about, I just want to say like, I, I love how the driver just fucking throws them in the carriage. Oh yeah. yeah. It's awesome. He's fucking, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. All right, anyway. Okay. Sorry. Um, I was more impressed by the underwater scene, uh, than shocked. Uh, it wasn't shocking. It was just impressive. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, Retrieving that guy under the lake. That was really cool. Um, just how far we went with the poisoning of the kids oh, and how close that got. Yeah, that know, was dude. shocking because I was like, oh, shit. Like, it's going to happen. Which is why I was like, yeah, he's not going to make it in time. And then that's like going to be his punishment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, that's rad. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's, you know? let's go. Let's do it. Um, obviously, it didn't happen. But no, but, he, he time traveled uh 30 seconds. Yeah. And just barely made it. Barely made it. Marty McFly did. <laughs> um, yeah, I... And I was shocked that he got to be put back in his body. I was like, oh, okay. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah, um, I looked... I read about that, and all people would say is that he just regained consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like, almost like he was just knocked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now that that leads us to some theories. Uh-huh. Um, was he, was he just not hallucinating because he was just, you know, passed out. But do you think he, you know, quote, dreamt, um, that stuff? Because what he would only have, (coughs) he would only have the knowledge of this because of Georges, right? Mm -hmm. Georges, by word of mouth, he only heard that he died on New Year's Eve. He doesn't know that as a fact, right? True. Yeah. Do you think this was just a manifestation of his um, of his conscience? Oh, of his like guilty conscience. Yeah, of his guilty conscience, and he's like, well, if it's true that George died, he would be the new driver, right? Yeah. He would have knowledge of this and that, right? Um, however, it obviously doesn't make sense because she actually was going to poison the kids, right? I mean, that yeah. you know, that's sort of like whatever. Um. Oh, so yeah, I, I guess that's the genie in all of it. That <laughs> I mean, it could work. I mean, it, it it could work. What I mean by that is, genie in Ferris Bueller, um, is the reason. Uh, Ferris isn't a manifestation of Cameron's imagination because, yeah, then, then genie wouldn't exist or, or whatever, right? Yeah, why so, would genie care so much about? Right. And she's the yeah. one that's mad at Ferris, her brother. So, I mean, it's yeah. like she has her own scenes with whatever. Yeah. That's what I meant by that. Um, you're right. 
Um, well, I mean, but it, it could work that way because you know, you know, our 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 conscious and subconscious, you know, holds a lot of information. So George George telling him this story, of course he would if it, it was a dream. Of course he would imagine it being George because yeah. he's the one who told him. And then yeah, by word of mouth. I heard he died, so that would mean he is the new, you know. Yeah. So it could work. Yeah. I like to think it's, we're taking the the, yeah. the story at face value. He really did, maybe maybe he died for a little bit. I mean, it happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are declared dead for maybe five minutes, but then they're resuscitated back. But Yeah. Um, so maybe he did die. Really did die, but he really did interact with George. Uh-huh. Learn the error of his ways. Yeah. I'm going to say he just regained consciousness. Okay. I don't think... Because George says he has no power over any of that. The living, yeah. So I would say he just regained consciousness. Just in time. Just in time. Um, but I mean, it, it it could work. Yeah. It, it could work as he just, he just dreamed all this up. Manifestation of his guilty conscience. Mm-hmm. Con- yeah, consciousness. I said that right. Um, and then at the last minute, saved the day, saved his kids from being poisoned by their own mother. Yeah. Um, which we should mention the reason why she was going to kill them is because she didn't want them to contract consumption because she had, right? She had contracted it. I think so. Yeah. So she did not want them to contract consumption, which apparently this disease ravages you. So she'd rather her kids die than have to go through that. Right. Which, I mean, it's a mercy killing, but that's still awful. <laughs> anyway, um, long-winded explanation to say, yeah, I think it, it could work. <laughs> okay. it, it could it could work, but I think Victor uh, was just wanting the audience to take it at, at face value. Yeah, that's probably... Yeah. You're probably right. Um... All right, let's see. Um, I didn't have time to write notes. <laughs> so, it's okay. Uh, so I'm not, it, or look up any, I mean, I read a little bit beforehand, mm-hmm. before I watched it, uh, but today was so busy working on time to. Oh, that's all right, man. I mean, we could just talk about, um, I mean, I know we've been telling everyone, Zach. Yeah. Uh, the things we liked. I mean, we can say some other things we liked. Yeah, I, sure. I really liked, um, I, I really liked all the flashbacks. Okay. I mean, I, I truly did. Like, I mean, yes, that's it's the main part of the story that, you know, it was Tarantino before Tarantino. We're getting all these pieces told to us what happened, you know, years or months ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I loved... In, in the flashbacks, I would assume then play in chronological order. Um, yeah, but, but I love the fact that you know we get to see David before, you know he was a miserable bastard. Mm. You know where he was, you know he loved his kids, he loved his brother, loved his wife, and then you know we just see his descent into. Well, and then there was that. Uh... That weird scene, which maybe you're talking about, and I interpreted uh, the scene by the lake as what could be. 
Uh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I interpreted it as, you know, because it does dissolve and he's out there with his brother. Yeah. George. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because George was saying like, you know, if you hadn't met me, like I, you, you would have been a good person. Right. And then it um, dissolves and then it goes into the, uh, see, see, I didn't think about that. that. Yeah. I just assumed that he took George, George out there cause he'd been out there before. Maybe. So, I mean, that could be also yeah, true, right. yeah. but See that that makes that makes some sense because had he never met George, he would have been more present in his kids' lives. He'd have been a good person. He would have been a good person. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, which I just I find that concept so wild that the guy who did this to him is the one saying like, "Shape up." Yeah. Even though I'm the one who did it to you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, the movie's got layers. It's, yeah. And it's so it's so cool. Like, yeah. I'm really glad you saved this one for the end. Cool. I didn't uh, mean to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But Look how it was all, a happy accident. How it all worked out, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you saved it for the end. And I'm glad it starts. I mean, the camera can't see it. But I'm glad it starts my Criterion yeah. set. Uh, it, it's the beginning of it. I have those flipped. So I have the, the, kid, the kid starting. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I used the letterbox one. Oh, I just wanted Chaplin to start my... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> so they both said 21, so I don't give a shit. Um, so uh, speaking of Chaplin, he, mm-hmm. uh, I had mentioned this last week that he uh, said this was the greatest film I've ever made. Right? Yeah. I wanted, I was going to ask you if there was any more to that. Like if, if he, no, I didn't look it up. Oh, okay. Any more than that. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. What I, do I use you for? I also read that. I also read that Ingmar Bergman did in fact watch this every summer either by himself or he would invite people to watch it. That's um, wild. And this is like his main source of inspiration. Yeah. Especially when making Wild Strawberries, which Victor um, Jornstrom uh-huh. is in. Oh, uh, Wild Strawberries. okay. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was telling you, as I was telling you off mic, I might need to start. Uh, even though Hour of the Wolf wasn't my yeah, cup of tea. Yeah, you got one down. Yeah, even more. though it wasn't really my cup of tea, God, I, I, I do want to see some more Bergman. Uh, God, I love I can just fish out, so good. fish out the $300 and get that fucking Whew. huge ass set on Criterion. Yeah. You good? I mean, technically, I've got the $200. What's stopping you? I mean, they can't see it again. The $200 Zadoichi yeah. set. So, I mean, Zadoichi says pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So, okay. So, I mean,. So it's wild that this movie has had such an impact on people that then in turn brought an impact to the world of cinema. You know, yes, like with, absolutely. With, with Chaplin, you know, as we as we talked about. I mean, we didn't touch on it a lot in our Chaplin episode, mainly because the movie itself doesn't touch on that. Mm-hmm. But, you know... When I did my solo episode for Limelight and had your your video spliced in, you know, Chaplin was so influential. And then, you know, of course, Bergman is, I know he's listed a lot as one of the oh, yeah. greatest directors. Big time. You know, again, like I said, even though Hour of the Wolf wasn't my cup of tea, I didn't hate the movie. Yeah. Uh, there were things about it that I loved. I and, mean, of course, Max von Sydow. Yeah, of course. I mean... I know. Yeah. 
Uh, so it's just wild that, I mean, it's almost like the context of, of us, of our modern film of, you know, comparing Tarantino and Scorsese and, yeah. you know, and it's just wild that this movie that's now a hundred years old is, was able to do that for, for those guys. I know. Yeah. It's sort of like a snowball effect, right? I yeah. mean, even, even, um, Jornstrom. Oh, okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. I, I want to pronounce the S so bad. Uh, even Jornstrom took inspiration from D.W. Griffith, you know, three years before yeah. this movie came out. Right? Yeah. It, it's it's like that. I mean, it's it's always it's always taking what you like and making it yours. Right? Yeah. Um, whether it's an homage, which even, even still with Kubrick, yeah. this was a a pretty explicit homage yet by having it be a little more aggressive, having it be a little more choppy with the, with the camera movements, right. Mm-hmm. It following the ax head. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's still his own, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I think the moral that we just kind of established with everyone is this is what makes film and cinema so good is that it it snowballs and people are able to bounce off of one another and yep. and honestly man i don't i don't know how we could top this one man i don't know listen man i'm still i'm still floored by just the in-camera effects right yeah i'm it's some of the best special effects you know in in silent film for yeah. sure, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I... Not the best. Some of the best. We still definitely got, some of the best. Because we still got Georges Méliès, which was doing... He was doing this stuff in small scale, you know, uh, for years and years and, before Yeah, and he was cranking those movies out like they were nothing. I know. And they're so good. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because the only other silent film I remember watching, besides the two, this one and Metropolis that we've done for the podcast, is I've seen the original Lon Chaney... Phantom of the Opera. Oh yeah, you know, and it's a silent film. Yeah, twenty five. Um, and you know, and the practical makeup on his face is insane. But from what I remember, I don't, I don't think it had very many in camera effects like this did. Right. Um, which yeah. is, and again, yeah, I, I, just like you said, I, I, the whole time I was like, how did they do that? Yeah, that's so crazy. How? Like, because you know, of course, now, you know, we we have computers and special effects. I mean, even if you took a, a 35 millimeter film camera to do it, you're still cheating because you're not cranking it yourself. Yeah. Right. You're, you're cheating because it's still a modern machine that can do it smoother and easier. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I know we, I feel like we've talked about it a little bit. I mean, I know this is sort of a tangent too, but you know, yes, it's awesome to see a lot of directors, now going back to film but yeah you're right it's still very smooth you know Uh, to me i that makes no difference to me the 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 argument between film versus digital it's you're no one wins because it's all good like why yeah why is one superior over the other um i would say people should watch tenant because tenant was all done on film mm -hmm. Or even Nope, because those were done on the exact same cameras. Okay. Exact same IMAX, 
film cameras. Uh, and the, well, yeah, because Hoytel, uh, who Nolan's collaborated with, was the director of photography for. for Got Nolan. it. Um, and then watch something from David Fincher. Yes, I was just about to say David Fincher. Uh, yeah, something in his lighter career uh, of David Fincher because he's now. I mean, he's a disciple of. I mean, film. perfect. So I would say, I would say, watch Nope and then watch Zodiac. Yeah, both films look amazing. One was filmed on film, one was digital. Yeah. And, and it's incredible. Both are incredible. And it's who cares? Yeah. Right. And shout out to Zodiac, by the way. Oh yeah. I Zodiac. ran across one of my I ran across one of my favorite scenes in that movie recently. The whole like, are you okay? No. No. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Fucking love that scene, dude. Uh okay, Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up rapper rapper? I, I am. I think we've been bad. I I yeah, I've exhausted what I can what I can do with the knowledge i have um okay. <laughs> for this movie it's just too good man i it really is it's it's great it's a to me a perfect silent film yeah um and we're gearing up to perfect film right we're we're up there um i gave it a five of course on letterbox yeah. um and i i'm happy we did this and it's gearing us up for next season because I have a few silent films yeah. for next season. So, um, and one of them's four hours. So, oh, it's, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and oops, I forgot. Oh, okay. Um, here's what's interesting, and I think it's, I think it has to do with reels. Okay. Is that it's split into parts? Yes. Yes. I. So the movie split into parts. Not believe I because I, as I've said, I fucking love it when a film does but that. it's unnecessary that it's split into parts because yes there is a, a, a slight act break but the next part is just an immediate continuation there's no time in yeah. between it's almost like yes the sentence is over but the next one connects immediately right yeah so it's it's sort of like that i think it has to do with the reels like this reels over right maybe yeah yeah, yeah switch to the next one please um that would be the. It's almost like their cigarette burn. It's like end of part one. Yeah. Ah, fuck. This one's long. You know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's well, long enough to be that many reels. So. Yeah. Um, to be five reels. I think so. Yeah. Parts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the, I I I'm not gonna try to do the math, but the. The Buster Keaton shorts, they were two reelers. Really? That's what they would call it because they took two reels. Um. So, I don't know, it was like 30 minutes. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Could be five or six. Now I kind of want to rewatch it in time when each segment ends. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, um, almost forgot. Look yeah. at that. Look at us go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, same. Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I definitely want to rewatch it. Okay. Because um, like I said, I didn't hate it. I just don't have enough judgment to decide how many stars I would give it. That's fair. Um, but I, I still loved it. Um, I definitely, I mean, and honestly you wouldn't, I mean, maybe you might disagree with me with this, but the, 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 the cards, you kind of don't really need throughout the whole movie. You need it for context, but honestly, you don't really need it throughout the whole movie. No. Uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, a few things you need context for. Of course, for, right. You, but, you do need a bit. Um, but then after, I mean, truthfully, 
Yeah, yeah, there's a few there's a few scenes that had just pure dialogue that, you know, could be insinuated through body language, but it would be hard. And yeah. um if you like that, watch the tribe. So that's uh I've talked about it before on the show. It's done in Ukrainian sign language that uh. does not have subtitles. So you have to and it's on purpose, no subtitles. So uh, okay. you have to insinuate what's going on through body language and and um it's just where they are, right? Mm. Uh, so set or whatever you want to call it, on location, but um, and body language. Gotcha. It's awesome. And you are going to hate the sound of shoes because uh, no one's talking and there's not a lot of background noise. But all you can hear is you shoes. You can hear their shoes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that that probably jack me crazy. Yeah, but it's a great movie. The Tribe. Luckily, we're not doing that next week. Ugh, <laughs> I wish. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so now comes the part of the show where we have sort of begun the wrap-up of the season. Thank God. <laughs> uh, truth be told, the season was going to go on a little bit longer, uh, but I did some math and I did some looking, and I'm like, oh, you know what? We've... Like, whatever. We've done what we want. We've done. So now it's time, truthfully, for... I would say our favorite part of each season, uh, our series, our end of season series. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, now it's my pick. And sticking with the theme. I which, honestly don't even remember what I did last time. Uh, last last time? month was... Last month. Last season was... Was it the Before Trilogy? It was the Before Trilogy. Nice. Good job, Jer. That's a good one. Um, my, my series, um, I did bend the rules a little bit for this season because I've seen part one of this of this trilogy. Cause I've also picked a trilogy. Now it's not unlike, uh, unlike before tr- uh, the before trilogy, these three movies don't directly correlate, right? But the director considers these three films a part of a trilogy, which he calls the, uh, the dystopian trilogy. Correct. I don't future rain put up the edit if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, so we are doing Terry Gilliam's, uh, Dystopian trilogy again. Future rain. If I'm wrong, put it up. Uh, we we haven't done a Terry Gilliam movie, have we? This at all? I don't think so. Um, I love Terry Gilliam. I know. I think he's. Are you gonna get the the Munchausen? Uh, <laughs> obviously, mainly because I remember seeing the trailer for that movie on one of the VHSs that we had growing up, and I was like, I was so fascinated. Yeah. By that. And so the fact that it's getting a Criterion release makes me so happy. Already out. Go get it. It is out. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. I need to, I need to go buy something. <laughs> uh, so uh, what is the dystopian trilogy? Well, it's three movies that he did almost sort of in each decade. Uh, 80s, 80s, 90s, 90s 2000s. and then 2000s. Um, so the f- first movie of the dystopian trilogy is Brazil. Uh, now, this is where I'm bending the rules. I have seen Brazil because I was very excited to watch it. Uh, so I have seen it, but I haven't seen the other two. Yeah. Which we'll get to. Um, Jeremy, what did you ever think of Brazil when you saw it? I am fascinated by the way Terry Gilliam views his version of the future. Yeah. I love using. Um, they're they're modified old technology. 
Yeah. But it's not new technology. It's just a computer screen with a giant magnifying glass in front of it, right? Yeah, to so make cool. it bigger. It, it's it's stuff like that that I really like. It's um, I'm sure there's a word for it. Yeah, and also, uh, if you like every British actor under the sun yeah. in one movie. Uh, Jonathan, and, De- and De Niro. <laughs> yeah, and De Niro. Yeah, Jonathan <laughs> Price, Ian Holm. Is Bob Hoskins in... Uh, in... Brazil? Brazil. I don't think he is. Okay. You're probably right. I, have no I feel like he was... I thought he was, though. I feel like he was... No, he is. He is in it. He is. You're he right. Is. Yeah, Bob Hoskins. Uh... Yeah, man, I can't. I can't wait to do this one mainly because I'm really excited to see the other two movies mm-hmm. uh, to see how it all. Because I would assume it all, in a way, ties together. You can tell me the other two. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll sure. Mine. I guess he wants me to tell you the other. Jesus. Two. Uh, the second one is Twelve Monkeys, um, and then the third one is The Zero Theorem. Because when you sent me the link, I saw it had the the so the Zero Theorem. Yeah, it's Zero Theorem. I the Zero Theorem. I. <laughs> We just, I've been saying zero theorem. I've before. seen, I don't think I finished it. So it's like, I haven't seen it. I don't remember a fucking thing about it. So that one I haven't seen the other two I have, but, uh, yeah. Um, but you're really going to dig 12 monkeys. I think. Well, let's see it. I think I want to say it showed up on one of, I think Eli Ross history of horror for some reason. Eh. I think, uh, even though it's not necessarily a horror film. It's not, but I can see where there are horror influences, things like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's aspects of it in there, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great movie. So. Yeah. But, so here we go. Part one next week. Uh, so, everyone, we hope you enjoyed The Phantom Carriage, and we'll see you next week for our end of season series, Brazil.